never saw the property. A friend of mine brought me the deal and he said, look, you can get two of these. You just got to put in like 30, you know, $30,000. And then the 30,000 is just for the, the land. And then you're going to get a construction loan and you're going to build these like log cabins on this golf course community. And then it's going to be great. So I said, yeah, you know, I'm bit by the real estate bug. Why would I want to sit on this profit that I just made? I Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk. But to win big, you've got to reduce it. My name is Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Investment Research, and I'm here with featured guest Clayton Morris. Clayton, are you ready to rock? I am ready. Let's do it. Let me tell the audience a bit about you. Clayton Morris is a former Fox News anchor who left the number one cable news show in the world after achieving financial freedom. Through his Financial Freedom Academy, Clayton now devotes himself to helping others build passive income and achieve financial freedom like he did using methods he had to learn the hard way. After some epic failures, he's learned how to build a meaningful life and share these lessons on his top-rated podcast, Investing in Real Estate, with Clayton Morris. And a tip to the listeners, go to the podcast, go to episode 453 called Motivation Monday, and you're going to hear a very short bit about the color of your thoughts. And I found it very, very powerful, the idea of three points. When you want to achieve something, ask for it. Number two, receive it. And number three, allow it to happen. Listen for the full details uh, from Clayton on that. Anyways, at age 13, Clayton saw his dad unexpectedly lose his job. Ever since then, he had a fear about money, and he always knew that there had to be a more entrepreneurial way of creating wealth. He got into purchasing performing assets to secure a future for his family so they didn't have to go through the same financial pain as he did growing up. After spending years building up enough passive income through performing assets to quit his high-paying media career, Clayton launched the Financial Freedom Academy where he realized his passion is in helping others learn they don't have to just work for a paycheck and they don't need a million bucks to achieve financial freedom. Clayton, take a minute and fill in any further tidbits about your life. Well, I have to say that was great. I mean, I lived all across the country in, you know, in the TV business and I would sneak downstairs and watch Letterman and Carson when I was growing up and my parents thought I was in bed and I'd get yelled at. So I had a passion, a deep passion that I wanted to, to go into and moving all across the country, I was going deeply into debt, you know, like living in Montana as a political reporter. People think TV's glamorous. I was making $23,000 a year. Uh, working for CBS News and I lived all over the country and you know I was renting from people every time all over the place and got to see like hey I'm mailing money off to somebody who's not here I never see this person I'm renting from this person I'm taking care of the property I signed the lease that the seed was then planted <laughs> about how passive income and actually owning performing assets could actually work I had to go through it as the renter to understand and, and learn that. But I think you did a pretty good, pretty good job of filling in the blanks there for, for my career. Yes, great. Well, I love the mindset stuff. That's so valuable. I've seen in my own life that when my mindset is right, I can overcome many obstacles. When my mindset is wrong, everything seems to not work. So a lot of times I try to recalibrate myself and listening to that episode helped me to remind me of that. So thank you. 
Well, my pleasure. And thank you so much for mentioning that. I think it, you know, we try to overcomplicate things in our lives, but at the end of the day, we know when we are in vibrational alignment with our passion and, and it really just comes down to how do you feel? I mean, if you wake up and you're anxious and your heart is racing and you're nervous about something, that is your, that's an emotional response to being out of alignment with what you want to do. So if every day you're waking up miserable about going to this job, you just do not want to get in that car. You do not want to drive the two hours to and from work. There's something telling, your body is telling you, you've got to make a change. And we have to pay attention to these signals that are being sent to us every day. And once you're in a, vi you know when you're in vibrational harmony, right? Because you feel amazing, <laughs> right? That like you get that chill on the back of your neck, like this excitement, this exuberance. And so it's not that hard if we just actually calm ourselves for a few minutes, sit down and feel it we can actually then get into vibrational harmony and, and live the life that we want. I want to tell a, a quick story about my father. He was a, a safe driver. He worked for DuPont his whole career and he had been trained in safe driving. And he always tried to teach me that. And of course I was a young kid. I had a motorcycle. I had a kind of a moped when I was like 16. And I came home with scraped up knees one day and he's like, what happened? And I said, I had an accident. He said, tell me what happened. And I said, I was going down the road and somehow I, I swerved and I, I got off the road and I got into this kind of a, a rut, a, you know, and I just, I couldn't control the mo motorcycle and, you know, I just kept going and eventually I fell. And he's like, so how could you have prevented that? I was like, dad, I couldn't have prevented it. I just told you the story. And he's like, mm, pretty much everything could be prevented you know could you think more about it no i i don't see it dad i was flying through this you know uh you know this the, the gully and i was trying to and then he, my dad i said so dad how, how would you have avoided it and he said stop right i know it seems so simple right it's occam's razor you know the the idea that the simplest uh, the simplest solution is just this you know it's the it's the simplest solution usually is that little simple straight line between two points i'm reminded of something and i know we're getting a little off topic but you and i are hitting it off on this on this idea but for a lot of people think about like you ever been to san francisco and you go up to the top of the winding hills, uh, you know, the roads in San Francisco. And if you think about a car just sitting up at the top of it, right? Think about that, like that car as being like your, the start of your morning and kind of like the thoughts that start to, to permeate. And if you just give it a little nudge, right, you could, and that car will just start to go down the hill and it's going to go way faster. And then, you know, then it's going to go super fast and then it's going to go into the ocean, right? Well, it's way easier just to, to, if you're going to give that car a little nudge at the top of the hill, to just kind of stop it, stand in front of it, and just kind of put your hand there and stop it, than it is to try to stop it when it's all the way down at the bottom of the hill, building up speed and steam, and you're snowballing of all these anxiety and threats and fear in your mind that just keeps snowballing. Then you're going to try to step, stop it as it's almost about to crash into the ocean. It's way easier to stop it once you get that little hint, that little, that little nudge, and then try to stop it. Amen. I love that. It's a, it's a great, great way of thinking about it. And I think um, our thoughts are valuable things and we've got to protect them and make sure that they're, you know, what really can bring us forward. Well, great intro. I enjoyed that. There's a lot more we could talk to uh, about on that, but now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. 
Orlando, Florida, 2006. I got bit by the real estate bug. I lived in a one-bedroom condo. I bought a one-bedroom condo when I moved down there for a TV show that I was working on called The Daily Buzz. I think I bought the property in like 2004 and, you know, $75,000 condo on the, on the golf course. Lived in it for about two years, fixed it up myself. And then a woman next door to me had passed away. It was a two-bedroom condo. Her family didn't want to sell it on the open market. It was just covered in nicotine. You know, she smoked for 30 years, lived there, and passed away. I never even saw her. And I made an offer. It was back in the days when you could do 100% financing and so forth. And so I was working at 2.30 in the morning on the morning show. would get home around lunchtime. And I would go over there, and I just started working on drywall. And, you know, I didn't know what I was doing, ripping out, you know, everything, putting new carpeting. And so I freshened up like both of these condos and I listed them for sale right before the crash happened. I sold them about a week before the bottom fell out and made a pretty penny. I mean, I made like, I don't know, 70, $80,000 in profit and the bottom nearly falls out. And I ended up then putting in my, I took this money. So you think that's, that's great. That's not a bad investment. I then took that money and rolled it into a speculative land project in North Carolina, a Phil Mickelson golf course community that was to be built in Cashers, North Carolina, beautiful mountain area. And never saw the property. A friend of mine brought me the deal. It was some sort of like backroom pitch seminar thing in Manhattan that he had gone to. And he said, look, we can, you can get two of these. You just gotta put in like 30, you know, $30,000 and then the 30,000 is just for the, the land. And then you're going to get a construction loan and you're going to build these like log cabins on this golf course community. And then it's going to be great. And then you're going to flip it and make like double in this uh, community called River Rock. And they had all the marketing materials built and they had a, like a little website with like running water and, and there was going to be a clubhouse in the center, golf course, and then multiple phases of this whole thing. So I said, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm bit by the real estate bug. I, why, why would I want to sit on this profit that I just made? I, I had this hor horrible time of like holding on to money. And because I grew up with such a negative association with money that I never felt like I was worthy of this money. Uh, maybe a lot of your listeners can probably relate to that, which is that, you, you know, you, you don't feel worthy of success. And so what happens to a lot of people that start to make money is that they quickly find ways to squander it because money flows to those people that take care of money. And guess what? Money flows away from people that don't take care of it. And not taking care of it doesn't just mean like making stupid investments. Not taking care of it also means you don't feel worthy of it and that you, you think you need to hold on to it like a hoarder. And, and, and so, yeah, I invested in this thing with him and I knew he had real estate experience. So I thought, okay, sure. And a short time later, you know, I'm just waiting for this thing to be built, waiting for this thing to be built. And the market kind of collapses. Then we find out that the builder backs out of this thing and they're going to find another builder. So I then drive to North Carolina to see my plot of land and this guy in like a four wheeler. We meet him at this like clubhouse in downtown Cashers and they've got this beautiful like office, you know, um, like this demonstration building where you can see the phases and they've got all these nice 
poster board on easels and it's you know like a log cabin feel and giving you coffee and tea and like oh yeah we'll take you out we're gonna drive with john we're gonna go up in the mountains here you'll see it we're gonna get into a four-wheel it's a little muddy back in phase one where your property is located it's a good location so we go up and we you know we see the the, the marker in the ground where my my plot of land is which is to be built and now just you got to imagine how beautiful this is going to be and then all right now we're going to drive up to the clubhouse so then we drive up into the clubhouse area. And of course, there's no clubhouse. There's only like a wooden sign with a picture of a clubhouse. <laughs> well, I can imagine how great this clubhouse is going to look, you know. I'm picturing and the then, rascals and a sign. Yeah, clubhouse. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and there's alfalfa. And I, you know, um, and it, I, I was excited about it. And even despite the fact that, you know, stuff started hitting the fan with the economy and everything. And then we just started learning that, Everything was collapsing. And pretty soon, the idea of, you know, my construction loan was coming due. Now I was having to pay for this, like, balloon note on this construction loan. And the land wasn't worth anything. I was trying to sell it back to them because I'm like, look, I don't know what's going to happen. Why is this being built? Oh, we just got some delays. Well, delays were actually in the fact that the, the builder backed out. Um, and then, like, Phil Mickelson backed out. And then the realtors backed out. I don't even know how everyone backed out of this thing, except, you know, me left holding the bag on this speculative land and construction project in the mountains of North Carolina and ended up having to go through a deficiency judgment, foreclosure, you name it, and went into Fox News the one morning to go buy coffee. And because of this deficiency judgment against me, I went to you down to the commissary to use my debit card and they're like, your card doesn't work. Like, well, no, it's my bank account card. It's not a credit card. It should be fine. I don't, you know, so I went up to my office and I was down the hall from like Bill O'Reilly and like, you know, Sean Hannity. And like, that was my office. And I go and log into my bank of America and everything was like flashing red. Like your accounts, everything was frozen. Every piece of cash that I had to my name was frozen as a result of this like deficient deficiency judgment. This, oh, it was awful. So Long story short, I had to work with a lawyer to try to get to some sort of a settlement with this construction loan that on a piece of property that wasn't even worth $5,000 and I had a construction loan for nearly $200,000 on it, but there's no community being built. There's nothing. I had some people from that were also equally left hanging, like reach out and like we're trying to put together some sort of like a class action like lawsuit and but it was like a $10,000 to buy into the lawsuit. And I just said, I, I, no. And there's very little chance of you winning anything like that to begin with. And number two, any lawyer worth their, their salt knows that there's no class. So you couldn't do like a class. It's not like everyone gets cancer from like holding an Android phone. So, you, or, you know, like a Samsung phone, you could sue Samsung because it's the exact same device and everyone had the exact same symptoms as a result. With this, it was all different. You know, it was like, you own this piece of property. Maybe you had this trees removed already you had sewer already installed so everyone had a different level of of a symptom and therefore there's no class so i just said forget about it <laughs> how to fight it finally paid it off and had to look back you know had to just put that whole thing behind me but that was definitely quite a lesson for me and something i'll never repeat again <laughs> yeah well um, before i ask you the next question i just want to highlight to the listeners that even people that are in prominent jobs and have big careers, 
are making mistakes. And I think we've, we've heard that from Clayton when he talks about going, you know, into the, into his workplace and, you know, and I think the other thing that I would like to make sure that the listeners get is that loss happens. You know, the feelings that come with it can sometimes be devastating, overwhelming, but don't just face it alone. Know that other people have been there. Other people will be there and reach out for help and support with friends and family and whoever you can. Because I can tell you living through the 1997 financial crisis in Asia at the epicenter in Thailand, we had people who committed suicide because of the levels of debts that they had. And as I always say, it's only money. So what lessons did you learn from this experience? Well, the biggest lesson for me and what I talk about on my podcast a lot is, is speculation, speculative, speculative, speculative. So how do you, you, you know, you're saying, well, wait a second, Clayton, you host like a top rated investing in real estate podcast. You've now achieved financial freedom because of real estate investing. Well, wow. How did you like bounce back from that? Well, it's totally different because what I ended up doing there was a speculative land project with the hopes of a clubhouse and waterfalls and all this kind of garbage. Wasn't until I picked myself up and cleaned myself up. And also as a result of that, I had to get create, my credit was ruined. I had this you know, deficiency foreclosure, the whole nine yards. So I couldn't get a loan. So I had to figure out how to be creative with then moving into real estate investing. I borrowed from my 401k, not with Drew, I borrowed from which is a loan to yourself. I had uh, you know, self-directed IRA. I was able to do all these creative things in order to buy my first few rental properties. Now what I did, so speculative was the land project, never again. And actual purchasing of a performing assets is what I now do and teach other people how to do. So buying you know, the, my properties that I buy in the Midwest, it's what I do with my company, you know, 50, $60,000 properties, old, you know, brick houses on tree-lined streets. The neighborhoods aren't going anywhere. They've been through world wars and they're not going anywhere. They've been through recessions and guess what? Everyone has a different job on that street. One's a principal, one works at the local hospital as a nurse, one's, you know, works at the Walmart as a manager. So those are the properties I buy, you know, $900 a month in cash flow. So I buy actual assets that exist, Right, and I'll find them with value, add renovations to them. And on my YouTube channel right now, on our Morris Invest YouTube channel, walking through like the behind the scenes of some renovations that we're doing on a, a couple of properties that we just bought. And so that's the difference. That's the, to me, the biggest thing is no speculation. I just did a podcast episode on this exact subject. Another gentleman who just lost, he had lost his shirt similarly years ago with speculative investing. And, you know, it, it's just not something I will ever do again. But that's probably my biggest takeaway. Oh, you ruined it for us because, you know, it's so exciting to see a, a fixer upper and you think I'm going to fix this up. Yeah, it's not making any income now. But when I turn this thing around, it's going to be making a massive amount of income. And that is a type of speculation to say that it could generate income versus you in your bio it was repeated many times that we talk about performing assets, meaning it's already paying. Right. I mean, look, there's the hope that, that this golf course community is going to be built and that I'm going to flip this house, right? So I'm buying this thing. I'm, and it's speculative all the way down the line that 
number one, it's going to be completed. Number two, that it's going to appreciate. Number three, that someone's going to actually want to buy it, that the economy is going to remain stable, that there's going to be somebody who wants to buy a second home on a golf course here in North Carolina. Speculative, 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 speculative. Spoke to a guy on my show the other day who did the same thing, got kind of greedy when he was having some success buying single family homes. And then he decided instead of like what we do now, and he went, you know, buying a single family home, renovating it, keeping it as a rental property. He then got into speculative, speculative work, built a $2 million property on the beach. And right when the economy collapsed and the housing market collapsed. And so he was left holding this bag on this $2 million beachfront property, you know, which was totally different than what he had been doing, which is single family rentals, which is what led him to success. And you get shiny object syndrome, you just start getting lured by this money and other ideas and you get off course. Keep it simple. Well, let me summarize a few takeaways that I've got and let me know if I missed anything. The first takeaway that I have is the idea of external factors. And we see it all the time that, you know, there are good ideas and good investments, but sometimes external factors like a collapsing economy can cause everything to go wrong. The second one I took away is what I I kind of call the curse of winning. Uh, When we have some winning, and it happens a lot, in fact, with most of the stories of loss, is that when they first buy into that, it actually goes up. And so they feel confident. And that can also happen if your first or second trade is like a really successful one. You have this curse that, you know, of winning because then you have more confidence than you probably should. The other thing that I take away is what you said, I never felt like I was worthy of money. And I think that this also highlights, you know, what you talked about a bit in the uh, Motivation Monday on the color of your thoughts. But I, I always think about the lyrics of a song by Soundgarden that says, what you wanted to be yours has made it mine. <laughs> and I just think that, you know, when you're craving and craving something, you know, or when you're thinking about something so much, sometimes that's not the way, you know, to get it. But anyways, those are some of the things. The last one that I would say from a finance perspective is the idea of sizing your position. And this is mistake number two of the six common mistakes that I've looked at. And it's failed to properly assess and manage risk. Now, you may find a project such as this and you assess the risk as being reasonable that I can take this risk uh, to, to do. But the problem is, is that in many cases, people put all of their money into that. Now, if you take a position in something, real estate's probably a little bit harder to do this compared to, let's say, buying stocks in the stock market. But the point is, make sure you size your position so that you're not putting so much money into this one project. And remember that your sizing of the position is not the initial down payment or something. It is the final payment that must be made when the property will transfer and all of that. So those are some of my takeaways. you have any thoughts on those? No, I think those are, those are spot on. I think, you know, what, what I, look, there's risk in everything, but I think if you're smart about your investing and you follow one course of action to success. So whether it's, you know, I say when people come and they start listening to my podcast or they start, they start watching my, my Morris invest YouTube channel and they start learning. And I, I, I have people that say that they sort of binge watch like 30 or 40 videos and they're ready to take action what happens is they do take action, right? They get that first rental property or that second single family home, which is what we preach, single family homes, you know? 
then they suddenly start getting that shiny object syndrome and they start swerving because they think the grass is greener, right? They start hearing about commercial properties or billboards or mobile home parks or, you know, a hundred unit apartment complexes and they start swerving and they get off track, which is like the guy that I was telling you about with the beachfront property. He was already seeing success. He was following that one course of action. And then, you know, you just get greedy, you get that shiny object syndrome and you just get off track. And I think that's also kind of a lesson for me, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. I'm, tell, I'm telling my, like the younger version of myself, just stick with what you know. Yep. That's fantastic. And I think for listeners, focus, follow one course until success. Key. So based on what you learned from this story and what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? Keeping in mind that listener has just been presented with the documents from his friend who was in New York and said, look at this. And that listener is sitting there with cash. What one action would you recommend that they take at that point? You know, you've got to, I've really in the past year, and this is a little esoteric, but I really, I've, I've really tried to tap into my intuition. We all have it. It's all inherent in all of us. Some of us feel it in our stomach. Some of us hear things. Some of us have dreams about things. We all have it. And if you're sitting there thinking you don't, you're full of it. In fact, I'd recommend a book called Intuition for Beginners that you should check out because it's so great. And we all have this power. And if you're closed-minded, you're not going to believe it. But your friend presents you with documents about something in New York City, about some speculative land project, and you just feel this like knot in your stomach. Like you just sit with it for a few minutes and you just, no, well, I should, you know, and you, you know, you know better, you know better. Just take a deep breath and then just say, thank you. No, not right now. But, but no, it's great. I'm telling you, it's great. Oh, awesome. How about this? I want to see your success with it. I'm going to be super jealous when you're successful with it. And then you know what? Six months from now, after you've had great success, maybe if there's an opportunity, I'll get back into it. Don't be afraid to listen to your instincts. Don't be afraid to listen to your intuition. If I could tell a younger version of myself with that, I can distinctly remember where I was standing when he called me. And I just was like kind of nervous about it. And I just didn't feel right. But I felt like, oh, he kind of knows more than me. He's older. He's had more experience. And I just said, ah, the heck with it. Let's do it. If I could go back in time, wow. You know, but hey, it's a I wouldn't be where I am today without it, you know? So yeah. I kind of had to go through that. But uh, uh, yeah, you've got to listen to that. Our mistakes make us. But mm -hmm. I like, I like the, the, the point because I think what I'm trying to do with this podcast is to reach out to listeners who are in a, at a point where they are about to make a mistake. And all the logical things are flowing through their minds. Like, yeah, this is great. I like this, that. But what I, my conclusion at this point is that ultimately the best way to stop someone from making a mistake is to help them be aware of that feeling, of that intuition. And don't be afraid to follow that path because there's a lot of value in that. And so that would be you know, what, what I would say. So last question, what's your number one goal for the next 12 months? My number one goal for the next 12 months is to simplify, 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 and get back to my passion, which is teaching uh, and helping others build wealth. Um, 
we had a really difficult year in our business, basically defrauded by a company in our Indianapolis market that lied to us about renovation work that they had done and tenant placement. We ended up having to, once we learned what they had done, we ended up reporting them to the government. And because we had recommended them to a lot of other people, my family included, you know, it reflected poorly on us. And so at the time, a year ago or a year and a half ago or whatever it was, we like kind of buried, we were in shell shock. Like, oh my gosh, you know, and we got over it. We became a much stronger company in our markets across the country. We, since that time, helped hundreds of people, you know, get their first rental properties and, and just amazing success stories. And so we really bounced back from that. But what I learned from that is just continue to teach the core continue to teach what got us here and which is smart value-added properties single families being smart with taxes how to you know how to make sure you're in setting up your business properly how to make sure that you're you're in real estate investing for the, the benefits of the taxes being a business owner that invests and so that's what we teach in our financial freedom academy people to really understand and get a hold of their finances get out of debt and start buying performing assets instead of buying liabilities and so you know i recently went back on fox a couple of months ago to talk about our book one of the news anchors came to me in the hallway and he said we were never taught any of this we were never taught this in high school this needs to be sung from the mountaintops and so, you know, it's like I can, you know, I can take internet trolls, I can take people, whatever, it doesn't matter. I'm on a mission. And so for the next 12 months, it's to get this message out there to help as many people as I can to get out of the rat race, change their life. They want to move to Thailand. They want to move to Portugal. They want to move to Spain. They want to do whatever they want in their life. They can do it. And we, I want to help them get there. Fantastic. Well, I look forward to seeing where you get in 12 months from now because, that's a lot of exciting stuff and a lot of people that you can help. I think that's a, a main message of all of the products and services that people like yourself and myself do to try to help people. Our ultimate goal is that we can help people to achieve some of the things that we've achieved. So that's all. That's awesome. So listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. To find more stories like this, previous episodes, and resources to help you reduce your risk, visit myworstinvestmentever.com. In addition, if you or someone you know has a story to tell, just click on the social media or email icon of your choice in the upper right-hand corner of myworstinvestmentever.com, and that will go directly to me as we end this session. Clayton, I want to thank you for coming on the show. I know it's painful talking about our losers, but our listeners are learning to win as a result. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Well, I always say I, the way I end every, every, every episode of my investing show is just go out there, take action. You can spend the next two years hanging around on the internet, hanging around on internet forums, talking yourself out of anything. You want to, if you want to talk yourself out of anything, spend five minutes on the internet. You'll spend five minutes on the internet, you know, finding out ways that I'm a terrible person, that Andrew's bad, that it, you know the world is bad, the sky is falling, or you can actually just get off your butt, go out and take action and become a real estate investor because I believe it's the number one way to build wealth. Fantastic. Great parting words. Well, that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and most importantly, protect our wealth. Fellow risk takers, I'll see you on the upside.